can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. That again is freetalklive.com. As we go right into the phone call, starting things out, going to the amplifier line, it's Sam in Texas. Sam, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, gentlemen. Yesterday's show was uh, fantastic. I really love the discussion on uh, legitimacy of government. And the, uh, oh, you must be one of the 10%, uh, Mark said that Sam, everyone, Sam is definitely one of the 10%. <laughs> the, th- the, the funny little conundrum about Sam is I've met him one time. He doesn't look like one of the 10%. <laughs> I love that about me. <laughs> All right. I was about to call in, but I had to go to class. And uh, something interesting on the way happened. I was cutting down the, uh, the tollway there. I had a little BMW following right behind me, and we're racing through the turns, having a good time. And there was a car over to the right that was pulling off of the shoulder, which is a little dangerous, so I put on the brakes, and the BMW almost ran into the back of me. Uh, well, then about a half mile down the road, this car that had pulled off the shoulder came up beside me, and the guy inside turned a spotlight on and put it right through my window in my face. Whoa. I looked over at him. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, you idiot? I'm driving 70 miles an hour here on the freeway. Yeah. Are you trying to blind me? And, you know, after a couple more seconds, he turned his light off, and then uh, he starts, uh, next time I look over, he's making angry gestures at me. And I'm like, is this guy trying to kill me? Do I need to run him off the road or get out of here? And uh, eventually he turned some other lights on, and both him and the car in front of him moved off to the shoulder, and they stopped, and that was the last I saw of him. Now, he had a strange word on the side of his car. It started with a P. Uh Have you guys run into any stories like that? It's Cobb. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Oh, boy. So what was he there doing? You know, he's supposedly keeping the public safe, and he created four dangerous situations right there, and he was the cause of each one of them. It just never ends. I mean, the the story, it's just story after story of police putting people in danger unnecessarily. Uh, I mean, just amazing. Yeah, you guys have a really strange way of running your society. Uh <laughs> I'm not running the society. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, he sure is Whoever isn't. chooses to be a part of it, I think, has a strange way of uh, thinking about handling these things. Gotcha. So, uh, Sander Spooner, I've studied his work quite a bit. And for those of you who don't know who he is, he ran a postal ser- or a mail service back in the 1800s. Right, uh, private mail. Private mail. It was more successful. He started taking business away from the U.S. mail service, so they sent the Army to put him out of business. Well, and I'm also an inventor, so standing on his shoulders, I have invented an idea for a private ID that I want to detail out for you guys. Okay. Okay, so my vision for this private ID, first off, it's going to be better than the government ID because the government ID, one size must fit all. Well, when you say better, what, what do you mean? Okay, so my ID would have, first off, you're going to be in control of everything that goes on the, the card, the driver's license card. You get to choose... Uh, to some extent, whether your address goes on there, for example, and what information you want displayed. The difference is you will have a profile number that will link back to a website where people can get your profile number, and then you would also give them a PIN number, and they could go look up additional information about you. Okay. Now, that PIN number that you give them, you could have different ones that give varying levels of access. So, say, the top level... um, you're, you just they just see your name and your feedback rating. So you have a feedback rating tied into it, just like eBay. You've also got a reputation rating where people that you've had 
dealings with. Um, they can go in and leave comments about how the transaction went and how it, how it was dealing with you. You can choose whether or not they see your address, whether or not they see any other documentation that you've stored in this database. Interesting. With me so far? Yeah. Okay. So here's the other key to it, and a big distinction between the government IDs. Nothing is verified, okay? So there's no documents required to open this. It's simply you have a verification uh, rating, okay? And there's certain things that will increase your verification rating. So the longer you've had the ID, obviously, the higher your score gets. Uh, I could mail you a letter and you – sorry, I just kicked my cat. <laughs> uh, I'd mail you a letter. You enter a code on the letter back into the website, and that verifies that you can at least receive mail at this address. So that brings it up. So uh, you start from scratch. You don't start with a positive reputation. You don't start with a negative reputation. You're just a, a blank slate, and it goes from there is what you're saying. You start with a very low score, and then you have all kinds of opportunities available to you to increase your score. You could also get other people to vouch for you, tying their reputation in with yours. Right. That makes sense. It's sort of like how uh, PayPal, when you go and create a PayPal account, there's different levels of, uh, I guess, ver verification that you can do with the account, that sort of thing. Yes. And that's, that would be one example to draw from. Another would be like couchsurfing.com. Uh, those people let international travelers stay on their couch, and they have all kinds of different mechanisms for verifying people and giving a reputation rating. So if somebody who has a good reputation <clears throat> vouches for you, that gives you a certain number of points and so on and so forth. You got it. Now, this ID could also have a driving certification section, in which case it's a, you would be agreeing to a private set of principles for driving, things like, you know, I'm going to drive safely, remain control of the vehicle at all times. If I cause damage to another property, I'll stick around or leave contact information, you know, basic things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you might have to go get an eye exam. You might have to take, you would have to take an online test for the country you wish to be certified to drive in. Hmm. Uh, you could also have an incident history uh, so that, you know, if you cut somebody off going down the road, they can uh, punch in your license plate, find that on the website, and leave a little note, hey, this jerk cut me off. It's very interesting, and I like the idea, and it sounds like you really put a lot of thought into it. Um, is this going to be profitable? I mean, can you actually make money off of this? Well, here's the thing. So the, the database itself that stores all the information and secures it would be, I see it as an open source project, so that anybody that wants to could offer this service. The way I would um, recover the costs is by charging a fee for printing the actual card. So anytime you want your new verification ratings and stuff printed on the actual physical card, you would pay a fee to get a new one, and you would pay a fee to maintain the profile online. With me so far? What kind of fees, though, are we talking about here? I mean, I haven't even thought. I just came up with this whole thing last night. Because it's going to have to be pretty reasonable. I mean, theoretically, if this is something that works out and becomes popular, then you'll have volume. I mean, you'll have exactly. a whole bunch of them out there, and you'll be able to make a little bit off of each one, theoretically, I suppose. Ideally. But then the other thing is, because the code base is open source, anybody else that, you know, as that code evolves and develops and they put new features out, and if I didn't want to go to those new features, somebody else could provide the same service, printing the cards and uh, providing an online presence to store the information, and there you have competition. And the market's actually choosing what the best way to store the information is, what should be kept, and uh, how it should be used and made available to the general public. I think it's great. In fact, I know that the and – and I'm sure that – 
it may have some holes in it, um, but as comp- fix those over time, right? Competition will help uh, iron those things out, uh, right. and I think it's a very innovative idea. In fact, I know that over at nhfree.com in the forums over there, people are talking about uh, creating their own New Hampshire driver's license, not for the state of New Hampshire, but just their own like freedom driver's license. Yeah, this would be like a free state ID or something along right. those lines. You should get and over there and uh, and post over there your ideas because people are actually looking for this right now. As okay. a matter of fact, and I've got a question for yeah. Mark. So, Mark, taking uh, Lauren Canario's situation into account here, if she had an ID like this that she presented to the cop and they responded the same way because she doesn't have a federal, you know, a government-issued ID card, uh, if Ian was saying, well, yeah, Mark, but she had this one and she jumped through more hoops than the government ID, it's better because it's got all this feedback rating tied into it. How do you feel about that as a thing to hold up and say, look, she did do this. Well, that's a fine question. I, you know, what I would say to that is, like I said uh, previously, the government essentially owns the roads. Uh, you know, agree with it or disagree with it. Um, but, you know, they, they buy, you know, in effect, own the roads. So they can pick whatever ID they want, and they've picked state driver's licenses as the one that you have to have. Do I think your ID is a great one? I think it sounds like a really good idea. That reputation rating thing is, is valuable on eBay, and I think that if you could drag that around with you, it would be really good. Okay. But I don't think that just because you created another ID that that makes it wouldn't it okay. carry legitimacy with you. You don't think that has any legitimacy, Mark? I think it has some jumped, legitimacy. She would through more hoops. Thanks you, for the I call, can show Sam. my student ID. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. It's 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com where all the features are totally free. So enjoy those on us, including live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both of them for free. Free Talk Live. Dot com And Free Talk Live is brought to you by SACL CAI. Perhaps you might just own or know someone who does a company that's struggling to collect money owed from past due accounts. Delinquent accounts are problematic, not only from the standpoint of diminished revenues, but businesses find themselves sidetracked by the arduous task of trying to collect on these accounts. I know all you get is just excuse after excuse. Consequently, valuable time and resources are pulled away from principal operations. SACL CAI liberates businesses from inefficiencies in the vexing task of collections. That's SACL CAI. See their banner at freetalklive.com. Again, SACL CAI. As we continue with the phone calls, let's talk to Darian in Australia. You're on Free Talk Live. Darian, hello. Hey, guys. How you doing? Great. What's on your mind? Hey, um, this licensing issue is a popular one. Like I, I, I catch up with the podcast and things, so I, I, you have to forgive me. I don't know what's what's being said so far in this, this show, but um, I just, just wanted to um, see where you stand, Ian. I mean, um, this whole licensing you're saying, you know, um, it, it's kind of like outlandish that, that they can throw these laws on us and, and we should have to hold a license on the roads and things like that. Um, I mean, is, is this something that you would take cop by cop, you know, um, throw it in their face? and Or, or is it something that, that you feel needs to be done through the, the voting legal system, like the, the proper avenues to change laws and things? I'm not sure I understand your question. Can you rephrase it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of talk about this licensing issues and things, um, about, about how 
how you, you can't believe we need licenses for driving cars. You know, if people are good enough to drive a car, why do they need to prove it, you know, through the government system of licenses? I don't know things? if that's necessarily the position I'm taking. Uh, all I'm saying is that right. uh, I don't like the idea that the government uh, demands these things of us. They're demanding that we show papers in order to have the ability to travel from right. one point to another. And Mark pointed out, and, I, and rightfully so, that if the roads were privately owned, then the private road, road owners could set whatever rules they want to, and that could include some sort of licensing requirement uh it's it's right. just a matter of there's just no uh there's not re- it's not really a consensual process that we have today i understand you do have to go and acquire the license but nonetheless that's something yeah. you have to do if you want to actually live a full and complete life where you can access things that you know aren't just a quarter of a mile away or a mile away that you could possibly exactly, walk to yeah. so um i think that you know what our caller earlier pointed out is a uh, is a very useful process the idea that well maybe we could have some sort of private certification in fact what we might end up having is more strict uh, licensing in the marketplace. Uh, I think the government licensing process is a joke. Really, it doesn't have anything to do with driving ability, and it has everything to do with controlling people. It has everything to do well, with extracting money from people and getting them to give up their private information to the state so that the, so that the state can then, uh, from then on, demand that information at any, at any point, whether it be on the roads or on the street. Uh, you, be, you become essentially, uh, there's again, there's that information that they know that you have, and they're going to want it from you, and so it gives them the excuse uh, to demand your papers. I think that, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but here in um, here in many of the states, and I can't speak for all 50 of them, but in many of the states, you go and you get in a car, you drive around a little circular track, and you park, you know, you park the car. I mean, that's what the driving test is here. You don't actually... They didn't even do parallel parking in a lot of states anymore. It, they didn't do it with me. Uh, no. You know, there's just... It's a, it's laughable. A monkey, a trained monkey yeah. could pass the driver's test here. So to suggest that the state driver's license has anything to do with driving ability is just one of the most laughable claims I've ever come across. Well, well, I think um, maybe, yeah, there's, there's definitely something lacking there with driver's ability, but... I think maybe just the accountability um, is is needed on the roads. I mean, if, if I'm driving around like an idiot and, and endangering people's lives, I mean, I'm going to have to have some... There's got to be some system where I can be accountable for my driving behaviour, where they can pull up a licence and, and put, you know, book information to me saying, you know, he's you know, caused such and such accidents and, and he, his licence is now suspended and things like that. I mean, how else would someone be held responsible and accountable um, unless there was, like, a licensing system for the roads? I think that um, our I think that Sam was onto something with his uh not only was open. It, not only was it a license but it was also a uh, essentially a reputation rating card to where Yeah, exactly. what you could do is if you had some incidents obviously the uh the, the car insurance business is very interested in finding out what sort of driving incidents you have. Yes, they are. So, um, those incidents would would go on to any sort of a uh, private driver's license that we're this sort of fantasy driver's license we're proposing here. Uh, those incidents yeah. would go there, as well as other uh, negative reputation and positive reputation things. So, you know, if you built up this reputation as a lousy or mm. dangerous driver, first of all, it would be very hard to get insured because nobody's going to want to insure you. You're a liability. And uh, sure. if you also have bad reputation, I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here, okay? Uh, there are all kinds yeah, of sure. people out there who can innovate and that will be in search of profit that will do a better job of thinking these things up. But, for instance... Everyone will have, in this theoretical free market world, they will have reputation. So businesses that sell cars uh, will also have a reputation. And if it turns out that you want to go and buy a car from somebody, 
you you know you give them your identification card and they swipe it through and they find out that you've gotten in car wreck after car wreck they may have the the incentive to want to sell you that car simply to make the profit off of the sale but at the same time what if their reputation was damaged what if their reputation as a business took a hit because they chose to sell a dangerous driver a car like imagine that could be a very very uh, major reputation damaging event if they decided to do something like that so what, that might be one way to keep uh, keep cars out of the hands of dangerous drivers just an idea yeah, yeah. I mean, but what would the what's the fundamental differences between that and what we've got at the moment? I mean, sure, there's a lot of fees and a lot of stuff that you got to go through to get these things, and half of it's a joke, anyways. But I mean, what would the difference be? I mean, I, I suppose that one would be maybe free or more affordable. Um, but apart from that, I mean, I only caught the end of the, the conversation there, and you're talking about how you would opt what information you want to give, so you wouldn't have to give your home address or you know things like that. How is that? How is that even going to be viable then if, if, you, if you don't know the information you're getting is correct or, or full, if you see what I mean? Like, how is that fundamentally changing anything? Well, we've still got the, we've already got those systems in place. If you see what I mean. Well, I can tell you that my uh, driver's license doesn't have my home address on it. If that makes you, you know, <laughs> feel any different, um, mine doesn't yeah. either. And so, I mean, the, again, the government system is weak at best. Right. Because all you have to do yeah. is go to the local UPS or FedEx store and uh, get yourself a little mailbox, and suddenly you've got an mm-hmm. address that you can put on. Uh, I mean, they can reach me, but they're not going to be able to go knock on that door. Right. And he pointed out that you know it would also depend on again not just the amount of information you wanted to give, but you'd get certain yeah. you'd get you'd get points based on the amount of information you wanted to give so people would be aware oh, that well you were being more reticent to give your private information and, and that sort of thing and they could judge based on uh based on that and i think the the real benefit is that you'd have a real market uh paradigm and as he pointed out it would be an open source thing so people could go in and change uh, you know change the system and, and make it mm-hmm. their own uh and it, it would be so much more flexible than what we have today i mean Fundamentally, the driver's licensing system hasn't changed in decades. I mean, they've they've redesigned the cards a few times, but the process of going to the driver's uh, motor ve- department of motor vehicles, standing in lines, waiting, having your picture taken, and then chucking a card in your face really hasn't changed that much. And uh, I just think that having the marketplace handle something like that could really result in some neat innovations, like our earlier caller was talking about. Thanks for the call, and uh, again. The most difficult thing is predicting what the market will do. We can't. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us, including... The updates. Get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You know first if you're on the updates list. Updates.freetalklive.com is the place to go uh, and get signed up. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. Uh, by the way, there is something new out there in the world of the Internet. It's uh, TV. 
Reason.tv. Reason Magazine has gone into the world of internet video production, and I think it is great news. I, at one time, was a subscriber to Reason Magazine, and I unsubscribed because, you know, I just, I'm not scholarly enough yeah. for that magazine. Nick, have you ever uh, I'm a read subscriber Reason? to Reason, actually. Right. Well, you're a smarter guy than I am, so that makes sense. Uh, but I, it really, I don't know if I'd say that. Either, it, it was just too much. I just I don't like reading the scholarly books, and the magazine was uh, in that same sort of vein, and it was just boring to me. I didn't. I found myself just not interested in reading it. I would go and read the little brick bats, the quick little one paragraph stories, because that was easy, and I would just leave it at that. But now Reason has gotten into uh, the world of internet television, and of course, if you're going to do television production, you need to dumb it down a little bit, you know, make it a little bit more easy to understand. And they've done a fine job. Uh, if you go to Reason.tv, Drew Carey is actually hosting these new productions that they're doing, which is even better because they've got a real celebrity right. uh, behind the uh, the project. Now, I've emailed Reason. They haven't gotten back to me. It's been over a week. So I'm trying to see if we can get – I mean, if if they're launching this new th- product, certainly Drew Carey was going to be willing to do some interviews. I've got right? a contact there. Do you? Yeah. I, ca- I, I emailed their media guy, and I've got a phone number. I'll probably try, I'll probably try that. But anyway, yeah. so maybe we'll get Drew Carey on the show, maybe not. Uh, but but my point in bringing this up was the first issue right out of the box that they uh, that they went with to address on Reason TV was the roads, and hmm. I was just so pleased about that. I mean, this is Mar- what Mark describes as the libertarian third rail. You know, we need to stay away from the the roads, and they really did a brilliant job. Um, Pointing out some private alternatives and uh, some successful private alternatives and that sort of thing. Now, were they really pushing for a complete privatization of all the roads? Because I heard about this, and it sounded like they were pointing out ways that some projects could be done with private dollars instead of taxpayer money. But were they really pushing for a complete free market roads? Okay. They were not. Uh, but they were talking about the issue, and they were talking about some private solutions that could help alleviate the current road uh, problems that we have today. And, you know, just from that perspective, it was beneficial and, and good. And I just thought it was great that they uh, they had the, the courage to take that issue on as their, as their first issue uh, right out of the box. So it sort of ties into what we've been talking about tonight, this idea of, well, what would happen if we didn't have this government driver's license? How would things organize themselves what would the marketplace do to certify drivers and to uh, to ensure that dangerous drivers are kept off the roads i don't know what the answers are i don't know if you guys know what the answers are but i can tell you that the people in search of a profit the innovators out there they're the ones that would come up with those answers were they given would they be given the opportunity to do so i don't need an answer I propose that the government stay in charge of roads because that way I don't have right because force is easy for you you know you're just you're intellectually slothful and uh, you you know you can't think creatively and so that's just where you're at Mark you know if you want to push forth this message of uh, freedom and liberty you need to go where people can can get it can see it and roads are not the place that people can get it and see it well I don't know if roads are the place to start I think there are some things that can be done with the roads and in certain cases I think that the market can take over roads. Whether I'm ready to say that they can take over every single road out there, I'm not so sure about that. I, I think, think that all competition, all competition um, should be legalized against the government for making roads. If there's any kind of laws out there that uh, make it so that no one can build a road, you know, I think those should be done away with. I don't know that there are. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that it would be darn difficult to build a road um, as as a private enterprise if you don't own the land because, uh, you know, eminent domain makes it so the government can uh, get land at a reasonable price. Well, we know the government took the roads way back in the day. 
the government decided it would well, be a good idea to do that. So they, they were there were private roads, and the government just snatched them up. I think that they uh, probably paid in some cases. I don't know. Yeah, well, there were private roads, but we did have a less mobile society, so there weren't some of the concerns we have now. There wasn't that much commuting going on. It was mostly trade going on over the roads. I think things like the Jersey Turnpike could conceivably be privatized okay, but generally when we're talking about privatization, the way it's done today usually means that it's handed over in some kind of a sweetheart deal to a right. corporation. Yes. I mean, you have to be very careful when you're talking about privatization. Absolutely. Especially roads. Right. And yeah. I think that's one of the critiques that was leveled at the uh, the Reason.TV episode was because some of the solutions that they presented were examples of what you're talking about, the sweetheart deals, and that's absolutely not the full-on marketplace solution. Obviously, the full free market solution is to get the government 100% out. But nonetheless, I, I think it's important to still talk about these issues because people want to know. People are very concerned when they hear the ideas of liberty. They get very frightened. Um, and really, it, it's kind of interesting because government roads are – Yet another wonderful example of just abject failure on the part of the government. I mean, they started out by showing traffic jams in Los Angeles and interviewing L.A. residents as to, you know, you ask L.A. residents what's the worst thing about living in L.A. It's not the crime. It's the traffic. It's, you know, the 90-minute drive to, to, uh, to drive nine miles to get to work or yeah. whatever it is. And so, I mean, everybody sort of takes these government roads for granted, but imagine the, the innovations and the, the competition, the things that, that uh, could be brought to market as a result of all of that. I just, I just wish we could have had market roads up to this point. Who knows where we would be today? Who knows what sort of neat things uh, we would have to, uh, to, to assist us in driving or make, uh, make getting from point A to point B easier? Heck, maybe we would be, on, uh, be beyond two dimensions at this point. Maybe we would be up in the sky already who knows let's continue with the i phone suspect calls. that if you got uh, the government out of the faa and those kind of things that you definitely would have flying cars let's mm-hmm. i think there might be some problems with flying cars of course well i understand your skepticism mark but i think that uh, the people that are in, uh, in search of profits those who would be manufacturing those pro- um, flying cars would find it in their best interest to innovate some ways to keep people safe from calamity oh yeah that's like um you know no vehicle manufacturer in the world would have ever thought of making a crash proof vehicle at this point i'm sure that would have happened I didn't say that it would necessarily be crash-proof, Mark, mm. but there are certainly safety mechanisms that help save more lives than not. Let's go to Wallbound in North Carolina. Wallbound, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, gentlemen. Hey, man. Hey, what's on your mind? I just don't think y'all got it. And <laughs> got I can what? tell you how to fix it real quick. Okay. Okay. The guy called in about the ID. You don't need Same. that. You can walk right into any DMV and get an ID. We discussed last night that it was an inherent right for you to travel, regardless mm-hmm. of who owns the roads. It is your inherent right to travel, to be able to provide for your life, your family, whatever. That sounds a little revisionist, um, Wallbound. That sounds a little revisionist. Yeah, I don't know if you have an inherent right to travel over my property. I mean, what if you decide you want to travel up my driveway or travel across my property? I mean, that's you have a right to do that? Is that what you're saying? You do, well, you brought up, after I got off the phone last night, maybe we should get a license to walk. I mean, we're, we're talking about roads, and we're talking about the driver's license and ID, right? Ain't that what we're talking about? Yeah. Okay, well, you don't need the driver's license because it's actually an infringement on your, your right, your right to actually travel, to be free to move along across the land. Now, with that being said, you know, the guy said, uh, how would you do it if you didn't have the driver's license? Well, you do it just like you do it now, but instead of suspending the driver's license from somebody, you just 
you arrest them. You put them in jail. If they do the crime, they do the time. You understand? Yeah. Like, like, and they get out and they can drive again. should not be out on the road sitting there waiting for you to run 56 in a 55 mile an hour. Absolutely they not. They should be you doing know, that. Totally. But however, um, if an accident speed, result, limit, speed limits are absolutely set too low, and they're really just done for the, um, you know, set the way they are for the purpose of fundraising. I would agree. Right. But in, if the end result is you running 85 in a suggested posted speed of 55, and you cause an accident, you're responsible. Mm-hmm. As it should so be. If you're responsible for that, then you do the same thing that we're already doing. Instead of just, yeah, well, I want to talk some... more about the uh, the right to travel. Hang on, I want you to explain that to me because I don't know if I agree with it. I, I mean, it sounds nice, but I don't know if I agree. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. Cycle CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are for free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. Same great deals, same awesome selection, 41 categories to shop in, huge, huge amount of possible uh, products for you to purchase there, and free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of them. So start your shopping experience at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, and a percentage of your sale goes to Free Talk Live. That's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Let's go back to Wallbound in North Carolina. Now, Wallbound, uh, last segment you mentioned that there was a right to travel, and I don't know if I, if I agree with you. In, now, in theory... If there is this public property concept that people believe in today, as you know, that's that's what government claims. Oh, this is you all What's own a piece property, of this. Then it's, then it's owned by everyone. Right. If there and is if public property, is, then you have. I would say you have a right to travel on it. But in a world well, of private property, what happens to your your uh, concept of the right to travel? Well, you're. It, it's still the same thing. I mean, if, if somebody privately owns the road, mm-hmm. and you still have to have permission to travel on that road. I understand that. I okay. get that. So then if you have permission, you don't have a right. See, you, you, you're trying to get into an iffy situation to where your rights of liberty and the right to travel, which is actually liberty to move amongst the land, mm-hmm. uh, and if you're a free person, you should be able to, to freely move across the land. You should not be restricted to the property that you personally own, which well, goes back into the driver's license. Well, now, thing. hold on a second. Most people that are owning roads and paths, that sort of thing, will want people to walk on them because there's advertising that they will be shown as they, you know, uh, as they drive down the road or whatever. That's you know, irrelevant this. to the to the point of where you have to actually provide for your life. You understand? If, if we have a right to life, and my life means that I have to go 60 miles to, to provide for my life, then I'm being infringed on my life because I'm being restricted to the property that I own without getting written permission to go forth. It, it doesn't make any sense that you limit somebody in their movements from their own property to a state or privatized road and tell them they have to be licensed to do it. However, if a private person owns the private road, and they say, 
Well, this road here you can drink and drive on, but only between the hours of 9 and 10 <laughs> at night. Mm-hmm. The, then don't get caught drinking and driving between the other hours. But if you are caught drinking and driving, and I don't necessarily say caught, I, I would say if you are involved in an accident that is a result of you being too drunk to operate the vehicle on that private road, then you have repercussions. If that accident involved a death, then you're going to spend a couple of years in jail, preferably 25, because you were ignorant and you were drinking when you shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not solving the problem of the actual loss of the freedom to actually provide for your life, to, to be able to move across the land, which the Indians did. They moved freely across, across the lands, and they didn't ask anybody well, I don't do know so. if they moved freely across the lands where there were other Indians hanging around. That might have started up a bit of a fight. They still traded amongst each other. I, I understand They still that. warred amongst each other. Hey, Cain killed Abel. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I like where you're coming from in the world of, of uh, public property. People should have I'm the right to travel on public property. I'm just coming from the freedom property. standpoint of actual rights, your, your, your natural rights. The God-given rights or your creator rights. Now, do, if rights you, I don't know. Do, if you have a right to life, what does that really mean anyway? Like if I you have, have a right to my life to be able to provide for it. I, does that mean that I have to, to sell you food? No, huh? Does that mean I have to sell you food if I run a store? What you don't I, have to sell me food, but, but if, if I, I don't sell you food, what if no one in town food, wants to sell you food? Why would you not want to sell me the food? What if nobody in town wants to sell you food? Then you grow your own. Well, if which, you have property. Um, which means that uh, you wouldn't necessarily need a right to travel to grow your own food. All right. I'll give you that one. But still, I mean, you're making an argument that We're just you have to be licensed or somebody has to give you permission to travel. I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm just saying that you could well, be restricted. You're saying that if you're saying that you have to have permission or you have to have a license I think or that you people can't leave be your given, property. I think that people would be given permission by default. And that's how most businesses work. When you go into well, the grocery store... if you're store, given permission by default, then maybe you don't have a right to travel. Maybe you just have the permission, a right to the permission. But I don't know still, if that's... I don't know. Now is not I'm confused. A, a right to permission? I don't know if you have a right I, to permission I, I don't... I don't, I don't I, I mean, you're trying to make a useless... I don't know. I don't think this is useless. I think it's important to point out that people that have private property get to set the rules. And in most biz- in most of the business world, unless you're dealing with a private club, uh, like a Sam's Club or something like that, you can walk into the grocery store. They don't know who you are from Adam, but they want you to come in because there's a chance you might buy some of their products. Wallbound, thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. I actually have to say I agree with the caller to some extent. I think there is a right to make way reasonably. Within, in a free society, it's, I mean... What do you mean, make way? The right of way? That's a right. I mean, people don't really think of the, the stuff in the way that it was put into the language. You have a right to make way. And I think roads, that if, roads have always been considered either owned by the government, the king, or... or owned by no or, way. Yeah, no, they're common roads. You can just pass and repass. And I think he's really trying to sum up one of the strongest arguments against market roads, specifically. Every other area of the free market... People can generally see that market competition will provide for people, but with roads, you're dealing with a geographic reality that lends itself to... Right, it's extraordinarily scarce. Yeah, yeah. and and you can worry about monopolies, because if somebody owns all the roads in an area, there is the possibility that you won't be able to pass and repass, which is, a, it's a, to some extent, is a legitimate concern. 
I, I understand that it's a it's a legitimate concern, but I think that uh, people need to look. And I see where you're coming from with this uh, the right to travel concept. And I don't think that most people would hinder that. But you I see think where that, I'm coming uh, from from the third rail of libertarian politics. I don't want to talk about that. Uh, so anyway, I, I see where you're coming from in that people should be able to po- go from point A to point B. And if there's an open swath of land with nothing on it, then obviously no one's going to stop you. But if there the land has put you know someone has put a barbed wire fence up, then they've homesteaded it to st- some extent, and they're they're trying to tell you, hey, don't come over here. You're not supposed to be here. I mean that then you're well, going to know. Barbed wire fence might be telling the cows to stay inside the, this area. I yeah. I mean I'm just saying that for most of human history, roads have been just a common path. That's been you maintain your part of it, and other people maintain their parts, and you all use it. And that's the way it's worked without a government or any kind of company owning it. So I, I, I can I see don't the want to move away from government control by giving it to a private property owner. At the same time, I think that creates some problems. Just yeah, I don't like that roads. idea, personally. I'm not a fan of the idea of selling roads to one particular owner. I like the concept of giving roads... How can you, how can you sell roads to different owners? I mean, a you different roads, different you'd owners? Give it to, you'd give a chunk of the road to whoever abuts the... Pro, uh, whoever property abuts it. So on a neighborhood street, each house on the street would own a chunk of that road and be their responsibility to take care of it. So, for instance, a road... And this, again, goes back to the point that people... People want uh, people who are taking care of the roads will want people to drive on them, especially business owners. You know, if you've got businesses on a road, they want people to get to their business so they can do business with them. So obviously, they're going to have an incentive to keep their road spick and span. Now, if it's a, a neighborhood road, well, you might have a few dirt roads here and there because they just might not care that much if it's only going to be their friends coming down to visit them for a party or something like that. It wouldn't be as important to have a nice paved road uh, for everyone to drive on. I think it, it sounds good, but I, I think that there's probably some, some limitations to what you're talking about. Uh, for instance, I grew up on a dead-end street. Mm-hmm. Um, there was only one way in and one way out, hence the dead end. Um, you know, At the end of the street were the cooks and the mondos. And uh, if everybody got their little chunk of the road... And then, uh, you know, some private enterpriser like Nick comes along and offers the cooks and the mondos for their piece of road. I'll give you $50,000 each and give you free passage on um, this piece of road for your for, for the right to your road. Mm-hmm. Well, then Nick could put up a toll for, I don't know, $100 every time you pass for the other 20 people that lived on the road. Suddenly, my property values have gone into the the, the, the crapper. Well, presumably there'd be some sort of uh, voluntary agreement, uh, mm-hmm. some sort of contract that each person on that road would get into in regards to preventing things like that from happening. I'm sure uh, the people in the marketplace would want to avoid a situation like that. I'm sure they would. So I don't know how exactly that would be phrased or what the terminology would be, but I'm sure there'd be an incentive to get that done. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. And, you know, if you've got a better idea as to how you think the road should be taken out of the hands of the government and turned over to uh, people in the marketplace. I'd love to hear it. I, I, don't, I don't like the idea of selling one road because then that's that becomes subject to malfeasance and corruption and you know sweetheart deals, that sort of thing. Uh, more on the way. You can take control. Hour 2 is coming up. You bring up anything, this is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. 
listening, you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch in hour number two of the program. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. And you can join Nick on his website at freemindstv.com. Caught the latest Free Minds TV this week. It's uh, available up on YouTube, and you guys conveniently post them over at freemindstv.com, as well as over at freekeen.com. And uh, so see them anywhere, but uh, definitely see them. Uh, as we continue with the phone calls here, you can bring up anything. Let's talk to Matt in Illinois on the amplifier line. Hello, Matt. Good evening, Ian. Good evening, Mark. Good hey. evening, Nick. What's on your mind, Matt? Um, I was wondering, I've been wondering for quite a while, and I've never brought it up, but I was wondering how in a uh, society without government, as Ian advocates, the stock market would run. It's an excellent question. I don't know anything about the stock market. I know it has some sort of level of uh, tying into the government, but I don't know what it is. Well, the it, government puts controls on it. They've got the uh, crash team and, and all that other stuff. But, you know, largely it ran on its own fine without the government for quite some time. Um, you know, the, the whole Federal Reserve and, uh, you know, fiat currency threw it, in, threw it for a loop in the 30s. But um, even, even when it was... Uh when it was started in the 1870s, it was still, um, there was government around and uh, government was still involved. And, um, you know, Ian talks about people owning companies and being responsible mm-hmm. for it. And it seems to me that once you start selling companies and lots and lots of people start owning them, now the uh, owner so to speak, has given up some of his responsibility. He has. That's. I mean, they're they're corporations. So the really the financial liability lies with the corporation itself. Right, um, and which leads to this is and this is where the the argument is coming from, or not the argument, but the question is coming from. Because really, I don't know what to think. Um, but the question is coming from the um, when you talk to a liberal and. Um, they will they will bring up the fact that well people are greedy and um, you know part of the part of being a corporation and having you know, government protections uh, means that you can you can be greedy and work simply for profit and not worry about say pollution and stuff like that mm-hmm. because you're a corporation. Whereas in a free market society we wouldn't have corporations. Some have argued that, uh, I don't remember who it was, but somebody called in to argue that corporations could exist in the absence of the government. I don't remember what their point was. I I don't remember it either, but I would say that uh, it's likely that if, um, say, a business owner wants to expand their business uh, more quickly than their funds allow and they want to take investments, um, they don't necessarily have to sell a portion of their business and therefore a portion of the responsibility, because I'm not so sure I want a portion of the responsibility with ExxonMobil. You know, are investors responsible in that case? Well, if they're portion, they they are they are partly an owner. Why wouldn't they be partly responsible, right? Well, well if but, they're not making the decisions with the money, here's just, here's just, what my point they is: they just lose their butt. That's all. Right? They could lose their butt, and they could, but they could be held responsible. Um, I'm not. I don't know how courts would um, would decide that, but I think that when you start having owners um, not responsible for you know the business, then you have problems. What about bonds? Businesses can put up bonds, and you know then you know they. 
avoid it's, – it's essentially you're investing in the business without owning a piece of the business. I think that the corporation and the corporate officers, as it is today, would you could still have that system of corporate law, and the corporate officers would still be responsible, not the shareholders. You could still have that theoretically in a free market society, and I think that's probably the way – if we were going to have a completely free market society, it would work out, where the wrongdoers in the corporation are still personally responsible. If you're um, some kind of executive and you order – a bunch of waste dumped in a river, you personally are still accountable for some wrongdoing. And you should so be, is, yes. And so yeah. is the corporation as a whole. So the stockholders are only responsible in as much as they're only they financially responsible, right. right? Yeah, that makes sense. So you're saying that the the, um, the companies would exist, but but the uh, the the, um, the executives in the companies, all those that are making the decisions, would kind of share the responsibility more. Um, in, in this in the uh, ideal free market society, because you wouldn't have corporations, you wouldn't have the at least you wouldn't have laws to protect them specifically from lawsuits. Right, they wouldn't have the government out there uh, to to help keep them safe. Yeah, exactly. So they'd probably be a lot more careful about the decisions they made and the and the risks that they took. Right, right, and that's and and that would be the rub for them. You know, now now they really have to weigh that uh, risk and uh, profit decision. Okay, well, all right, that sounds good. Very One good. more thing. Yeah. I, I wanted to say that, you know, I like Paula. I think that she has a very good heart. I think her heart mm-hmm. is in the right place. And I think that what she is doing when she's calling in is basically just warning people. Yes. Doing it a little aggressively, <laughs> but she's basically just warning people and, you know, take what, what she says with a grain of salt. Absolutely. But, but check out what she says because some of it, might make sense to you. She has been right. I mean, there have been some times where she's been completely off base, but there have been some other times where she's had a gem of, you know, a little gem of truth in there somewhere. So, uh, I mean, like this aspartame thing. Okay, so some studies show that aspartame can harm you, but it's still my decision whether or not I want to to buy things with aspartame or not. Right, and it's also pretty likely, and I don't have the studies in front of me, but just knowing how these studies work, it's also pretty likely that they had some rats... And they gave them, you know, huge amounts of aspartame, like more than you could possibly consume uh, in one serving, that sort of thing. They just loaded them up with aspartame, and then, well, yeah, sure enough, there was a problem. Because uh, anything in excess can be problematic, I think. But I, I, um, I think I came across something where Donald Rumsfeld actually had something to do with the company that makes aspartame. And I don't trust that man. Ma'am, you're right. She's, she has told us that before, as a matter of fact. In fact, she's on the line. Thanks for the call, Matt. We appreciate it. Let's go to Paula in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Paula, you got fans. Yeah, hi, hon. <laughs> I was just trying to warn. There is a website you can go to, WNHO.net, and get all the information on this and on the MSG. And the canola oil and the soy. Anyway. So what is it like when Paula goes to the grocery store? What is, I mean, do you take... I don't get anything that is prepared. I cook from scratch. That's the only way to protect yourself. I have to agree. Um, you know, I, largely these prepared foods have things in them you can't pronounce, and that scares the crap out of me. Thanks. Now, when you say prepared, yeah. you mean like packaged foods. You mean yeah, stuff I mean, off the I, shelf. I do everything from scratch like my, my parents did, my grandparents. What about you know? sushi? Have you ever bought the sushi from the grocery store? No. No. Would you ever? I, I buy, you know, I, I do stir-fry myself. Do you ever go you out to scratch. eat? Do you go to restaurants? No. What? No. No. Mark, that's where she's got you. I mean, you go out to restaurants all the time. Oh, Who sure. And I eat prepared foods, too. They yeah. just scare me. <laughs> yeah, but the thing I called you about, China 
dropped six point two billion dollars of our treasury notes today. Did they really? Yep. I'll take your word. Where'd for you it. get this from? My husband. He just saw it on um, on the stock market. Mm-hmm. Well, they've but been anyway. threatening to do that. They've been threatening, and so there you well, go. Well, they brought on themselves. Look at all the stuff they send us here. That, I mean, everything you buy just falls apart. Well, you know, no, I mean, that's they not They brought true. on themselves. I don't know if that's true. Some Chinese products are subpar. Everything but... I have bought from China lately, like I bought a, C, uh, a shortwave radio, that fell apart. Hmm. Then I got, um, uh, what was it, something else. Uh, the, anyway, every, oh, uh, a little thing for your keychain. It's a little um, thing that, you know, if you mislay your keys, if you whistle, it goes oh, off. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. All right, they sent me some of that, okay? These things going off all the time. <laughs> and, I mean, it's just... Anything they hear, they just, it just gets set off. I well, mean, now, yeah. why haven't you learned your lesson yet and stopped buying well, I Chinese have. products? I, said, I, I called the company. I said, y'all have got to do better and start doing, you know, having more American products. Well, it's not necessarily that they're American products. It's just that well, whoever it is that's, uh, that's, uh, that's contracting to have these products manufactured in these Chinese plants, they aren't mm-hmm. contracting with the better plants. There are some fine, uh, fine manufacturers that are located in China. There are, mm-hmm. I mean... So many of them, inevitably, many of them yeah. are going to be good, and some of them are going to be subpar. Yeah, they just got to be more careful. They just got to make sure whatever goes out of their country is not going to harm somebody. Well, it's your American be... importers that are to blame, China, uh, um, yeah, Paula. Yeah, they're the ones too. that are yeah, right. setting up the that's deals. Yeah. They're so they're cutting costs. Like they're cutting costs by uh, hiring the cheap factories instead of spending the extra two cents per unit and hiring the better factory to do the job uh, more effectively. But, you know, it doesn't matter if it's China, America, or Pakistan. Good and bad products come out of everywhere. It all depends. Thanks for the call, Paula. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. I mean, there are a lot of Chinese products probably in your home that haven't failed. You just haven't noticed because they're working because they haven't failed on the way. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us, including the wiki. Over 1,400 pages created by listeners just like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Get interactive at wiki.freetalklive.com. W-I-K-I.freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. You know, I actually got a negative, uh, in case you don't know, I call radio stations for a living. Um, that's what I do during the daytime. Mark, you call people to advertise for the show. I call stations to get the show on more stations. And it's very rare that I get negative comments about Free Talk Live. Mm-hmm. But I got one today. What was it about? Well, a program director in some little town in Illinois or something like that told me that Free Talk Live wasn't substantive enough. I'm not sure what that really means, but uh, she said it wasn't appropriate for her conservative audience. Well, I believe that <laughs> could quite uh, be the case, but substantive. <laughs> we don't have substance on this show. I mean, we were just talking about the legitimacy of government. That's not substance. I, I mean, it, I didn't it ask sounds her too sh- scholarly to me. I didn't ask her what show she was listening to. You know, maybe she heard the one we were talking about, you know, how to live a more positive life, and that offended her. Who knows? Anyway, just kind of interesting. <laughs> normally, normally we get very positive responses, which reminds me, uh, if you are enjoying Free Talk Live and you don't pick it up on your local talk station, 
Go to local.freetalklive.com, or better yet, go to localfac, localfaq.freetalklive.com, and read about how you can get in touch with your local talk station and request Free Talk Live. Believe it or not, it makes a big difference when people in the local area call up their local program directors of their talk station and tell them what they want to hear. Yeah, let's have them call that lady in uh, Illinois. I, I'm not going to say who it was or what station. <laughs> That's, there's no point. The, the bridge hasn't been burned. She wasn't mean yeah, about it or anything kidding. like that. Uh, so 800-259-9231. She said she'd consider us for the future. It was just, she didn't feel like we were right for her audience at that time. Well, you know, if it's a conservative station and they do all conservative programming, I can see why they would be reticent to put scary. Free Talk Live sure. on. Sure, we're scary. But, you know, we ask questions of conservatives that perhaps they should answer. It's true. And we talk about things that conservatives would love. Gun rights, yep. all that sort of thing. Anyway. All right. 1-800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones and talk to Dave in Ohio, listening on WAIS. Hello, Dave. Hi, guys. How you doing? Great. What's on your mind? Oh, I heard today that a major phone company gave the phone records to the federal government without a court order. Yeah, that was Verizon. 7,500 <laughs> times, was it, without any orders? And that's what I heard today, and I think that's wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd switch phone companies, but I can't. There's no one else to choose around here. I could go voice over IP, but oh. I've actually got both. I've got. Uh, oh, I agree with you guys that it's wrong. Yeah, it's no good. Yeah, and wire and wiretapping's wrong too. Which. Uh, I agree, but they're doing it more often, and they're doing it. I mean, they're they're making the laws easier. They're making it so they don't even have to go and get warrants. I mean, I understand that that I guess if you don't have a warrant, the company can just be nice and let the uh, the federal government in, and that sounds like that's what they were doing. Uh, but yeah, I think that uh, things need to be much more difficult for the federal government to obtain uh, permission to do these sorts of things. But unfortunately, it's going the other direction. Yeah, we need to get back to the Constitution. Absolutely, and uh, I think Ron Paul is going to be your only choice there, Dave. Thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. It's frustrating. I mean, what do you do? What do you do when Verizon gives away all this information? Well, you can switch phone companies if you have that option in your area. If you're with (laughs) Verizon, you can call them and tell them you want to cancel your service because they're giving their phone records away. Right. Now, now you can switch, but you can only really switch to maybe a cell phone company or... I mean, there are some options. You can switch to a cell phone. You can switch to... There'll be more options every day. Uh, you can switch to voice over IP unless you have Verizon DSL, in which case then your voice over IP is just going over their lines anyway. Well, so, if you have uh, Verizon DSL, then you could switch to a cable. Or, you could switch to cable. If it's available, some places it's it's just not available. My understanding is DirecTV has something like broadband. Um, yeah, but you know. it's not really... Broadband. Yeah. <laughs> it's satellite, so there's a lot of delay. There's a lot of lag time. You don't really have any upstream. It just all comes downstream to you. There's not well, I don't, really... I, I don't upstream a lot myself. Most people don't. You're right. Um but so then you're trading Verizon for you know Time Warner or Comcast or AT and T. I mean, really, are any of those companies any more trustworthy necessarily than than Verizon? Is? Voice over IP, you're you're trading it for a company. You know, lots of companies out there, little companies. Yeah, but we're talking about internet service. Voice over IP has to go over an internet service provider, and therefore they Direct could still TV. sniff out your packets if they wanted. Direct to. TV probably isn't giving. Direct a lot TV of... is owned by Hughes, which I think is a subsidiary of GM. Oh. I mean, you want to talk, all of these companies are behemoths. Yeah. So it's just that Verizon got caught red-handed in this particular instance, and we already know AT and T has a special room that they set up in one of their call centers, yeah. at least one of them, uh, for the NSA, for the NSA to load up equipment in this room and monitor all kinds of things. 
So, I mean, that's so those are these are the things we know about that are going on. I don't know. Just don't do anything. If you if you're doing something suspicious, cover your tracks and use anonymizing services. Otherwise, you know, whatever. Well, What's suspicious? Yeah, I mean, realistically, the NSA is only looking for. You know, there's only so much ground they can cover. So unless you're doing something egregious, you're probably not going to get picked up by the NSA. Probably not. And they probably don't want to let the bigger fish they're after to know that they can monitor every telephone call in the United States. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about it. You know, I don't encrypt my communications necessarily. Whatever. Go ahead. Read what I have to say. I, I get on the air six nights a week and spout off uh, radical freedom ideas. So... It's not like I have anything to hide as far as my ideas are concerned and the things I'm talking about. Things I talk about don't really differ that much online versus on the radio. 800-259-9231. But if you are saying things that you need to keep secret, then presumably you would already know to be a little bit smarter than to just use unencrypted communications. You would know to use encryption. You know, you would you would know to uh, cover your tracks a little bit. And the professionals know these things. The terrorists and uh, the other professional criminals, they know what the, what the laws are and they know what their their vulnerabilities are. That's why it's the innocent people that get, get caught for things like money laundering and these other laws that are supposed to catch the bad guys. They usually end up catching people that just didn't know any better and they, you know, pulled out $12,000 in cash from their bank account and accidentally uh, triggered a cash transaction report being filed on them. People don't know what these things are. Your average person doesn't even know such a thing exists. So make uh, make your own judgments as far as the levels of security you need. Let's go to the phones. Talk to Chris in Indianapolis. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Hello? Hey, Chris. Hi. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, I call talk shows for a living, too. <laughs> you call talk shows for a living? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be the president of the United States, and this is how I'm running. Awesome. How's that going for oh, you? Oh, yeah, you called before. Not, You've called going, before. Yeah, it's going really slow. No, uh, I imagine so. Are you qualified on any state ballots yet? Um, no, but I'm going to be. Uh, which but, one? I don't know. No, um, you're I was just thinking positive. I'm pretty sure you have to have a plan at this point. I mean, like, if you want to be on at least one state ballot, you probably should know which one it's going to be and know what the qualification requirements are. Because some of them, it's, you've got to have some cash, man. You've got to have, like, a couple grand. To get, I, want you, I know you've got a point. Really? We're going to come back to you, okay? Hang on. 800-259-9231. Chris is running for president. It doesn't sound like he's too serious about it, but he wants to talk. We'll let him make a point or two or three or whatever. 800-259-9231. If the first point's good, he can make a second one. This is your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind as well. TSA George is on the line. Wants to tell us about some of the airline companies. And whatever you want to talk about goes. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us, and the features include the archives. An entire year's worth of the show, front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Go get them. They're on us. freetalklive.com. And are you prepared for the day the dollar drops to zero? D2Z.org proposes that day is near. Go to D2Z.org and learn how to survive and thrive during the U.S. dollar crisis. D2Z.org. As we go back to Chris, uh, who's on in Indianapolis. Chris, you're back. And you're running for president. 
Yeah. All right. What's on your mind tonight? Um, I was thinking I know how to fix this road problem. That we okay. Um, we could make make it so expensive to drive, like, you know, cars and insurance and then gas, that you won't really need roads anymore. We'll have to just, like, get around some other way. What would you suggest that other way might be? I'm all uh, open to ideas here. You know, I'm not really sure right now. You've got to have vision, man. If you want to <clears throat> run for president, you've got to have vision. Yeah, and making everything so expensive we can't do it is not a good vision. <laughs> <laughs> well, vote for I'm, me and you'll be impoverished. But I can tell you, over uh, Hillary or Giuliani, I'll vote for you. Absolutely. Mountain I do bike. it in a heartbeat. <laughs> mountain bikes, that's the way. Yeah. I ride my mountain bike just about everywhere, the just trick about every is, day. The trick is the grocery store, though. I mean, getting from point A to point B on a mountain bike, totally doable. I've done it, I do it, and I like it, but when you've got to go and get five bags of groceries, then things change. Well, you well, don't go to the grocery store uh, every every um, week, you go every day, and that way you just get the stuff that you're going to eat. You carry a backpack, put it right I in there, see. you're in it to win it. Well, if you go to Amazon.com and order all your, everything from... Uh, Amazon.freetalklive.com? Yeah, it's Amazon.freetalklive.com. You've got to plug us. You've got to plug us right. Oh, my bad. My bad. But you're right. They do have groceries there. And yeah. then you could just use your local 7-Eleven for uh, cold stuff like milk and that sort of thing. I, I suppose it could be done. But I don't know if most people are going to want that. They just deliver it to you. Then what about recreation? Then how do you go and, you know, go, for instance, we live here in New Hampshire. There are these mountains and skiing and that sort of thing. How do you get out to the to, to the recreational area? You want a mountain climb? You can Helicopter. walk to the mountain, too. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't I'm really not sure, man, but yeah. gas is extremely expensive. It, it is. sure is. And it's going to keep going. Uh, it's going to keep going up, though. I should point out, it only appears to be expensive because of inflation. So it's really actually well, not... And the war has driven up the real cost of gas. Oh, it has, but but c- compared to the early 80s, it's right around the same place it used to be. That's true, yeah. I think it's still less of our household incomes to pay for gas hey. now than it was back then. How much do you think gas will be until stuff actually starts to break down? What do you That's mean? That's kind of a serious question. What do you mean stuff starts to break down? Like, well, like, like seven bucks a gallon. You know, like we'll, what, what would that do to the economy? Yeah, delivery services won't be able to deliver. Trucking companies go out of business. I think no, I think it would be a good thing. Seven dollars a gallon um, would probably cause. Well, I, I absolutely <laughs> do. I, I think yeah, that when well, it gets, I kind of do too. When it gets expensive, it will get expensive. It's a finite resource. At some point, gas will, um, you know, will run out of gas. At which point, uh, people will be forced. There are theories forced. that say that the Earth makes more oil. Okay, people will be forced at some point or another to look at um, exploring, you know, new options as far as energy, and then they'll we'll power our cars through those. Chris, thanks for the call, dude. We appreciate yep. hearing from you. 800-259-9231. As long as you keep the government out of well, it, you'll be in pretty good shape. Yeah, but there are theories that if we attack Iraq, we could see $200 a barrel. Iran? Could, uh, Iran, rather. And that could that could happen too quickly. Wow. Not, not a market correction. Well, it's already setting records, right? The, uh, it, the price of uh, crude? It hit $88 a barrel today. So that, it, takes, it takes a little time for that to filter down to the gas yes. pump. So you'll, you're going to be seeing a rise in prices probably fairly soon. Uh, but I don't know if I agree with you, Mark, that it would necessarily be good. What it might be good for is helping people understand how to conserve it. I mean, because most people, they 
they take it for granted to some extent because it is so cheap. And as the price rises, they'll be a little bit more and more judicious about how they decide to, uh, where they decide to go, in what order they decide to go to things. So instead of crisscrossing town, going, uh, you know, to the northeast section of town to go to one store, followed by the southwest section of town, it's sort of, you know, just crisscrossing and not really caring that much about where you're going. You'll be very careful. You'll have one outing per week while you're hit, you'll hit all the stores that you need to hit in a certain order so you can come back home and be much more uh, conservative with your gas oh, usage if it was more expensive. I was, just wa- I was watching television um, the other night. It's been a couple of nights, and I saw an American car brand. I don't remember which one it was. It might have mm-hmm. been GM. might have been Chevy. I don't know what it was. But uh, they were talking about, you know, they, they showed a commercial with their uh, new um, fuel cell car. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know that if this thing is available. I, I have no idea. I haven't heard anything besides this one commercial. Maybe they were just talking about how they were going to do Was things. it a commercial during another show, or was it one of those car fo- shows? I think it was uh, during a football um, game. Okay. Yeah, and you know, I've seen ethanol being blended in the E10, 10% ethanol, mm-hmm. at a lot of gas pumps because regular motors can run that. I've I've stopped at pumps I'm filling up at, filling up at, and noticed that it's 10% ethanol blend already. Well, isn't that nonsense though, the ethanol thing? Um, it's not. It's not everything that it's promised to be. It's not complete nonsense. It is. Talking about driving prices up, it is driving prices up in the the world of dairy and corn. Yeah, yeah corn. Yeah, well, it is corn. Of, yeah. Right. It's kind of. Um, yeah, there are some negative drawbacks that we're seeing now, even with this limited amount of ethanol. Um, I think ethanol is a great thing as long as the government doesn't get behind it. But it did. It did. It did, and it, that's the problem. It offers a 50-cent tax cut, so it's offered to the oil companies at like one fifty a gallon for the wholesale. They get a 50-cent tax credit, and then they can turn around and sell it gallon mm. for gallon. They blend it with gas, so gallon for gallon it's selling up at the 271 mark. So it's kind of just a deal that was offered to the oil companies. Yeah. It's a scam, and, and it's and it's costing some farmers and that sort of thing, and that's unfortunate. And it, of course, it's all it's all costing us at the uh, right. The grocery those store. farmers pay those taxes in order to get themselves screwed. That right. stinks. Sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it will it will drive prices up at the grocery store, and it will hurt certain certain people in farming. It'll help, but it'll probably hurt more than it helps. Toll free number eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's continue with the calls. Go to George TSA George calling from DC. Hello. Hey guys. Hey dude, what's on your mind? Well, t- uh, um, two things about um, like you guys have been trashing on TSA. And make no mistake, I pull no punches when it comes to trashing my own agency. But um, <laughs> I, 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 in this case, I had to turn around and smack on some of the airlines. Uh, first, a real quick thing about Amer- American Airlines, and then I'll get to that um, the, what started that whole thing in Arizona and Phoenix about that lady getting killed. Okay, first, yeah, the, yeah, the woman who allegedly choked herself to death. Yeah. All right, first with America, this will only take a few seconds. Um, get this. Um, you think government's inefficient, but um, I, I noticed a, uh, I was checking tickets, as I do, you know, asking for zip papers. One guy had a boarding class on American Airlines to go to Philadelphia from D.C., and he's connecting in Miami, and it's like... What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's like, you want to talk about government inefficiency? It's like, it's, um, <laughs> it's an American Airlines <laughs> wasting more money here than government. Yeah, that seems pretty silly. All right, now on to the on to Phoenix. Anyway, uh, what started that was um, U- U.S. Airways has a big policy of overbooking overbooking their flights, and, and they're, they're pretty much the worst offender of this of all the airlines. So and you're talking about the the woman that choked herself. That's what upset yeah. her was that the airline was her, overbooked. Her, her fl- yeah, the, not only was the flight overbooked, but the airline is like some passengers uh, offered to give her their their seat. You know, in exchange that they'll take another flight, and the, uh, and the airline w- um, said no, in which th- this was done by 
a contractor. They outsource it to Mesa Airlines, mm-hmm. and in which they said, um, "No, you can't do that. You know, you got to get, get on this plane or not. You know, they will not let other passengers offer their seats to this woman who was trying to. I forgot where she was trying to get to, but mm-hmm. and and was that's when she um, broke down, and then that's when the airline called in the police to haul her away. Right, right there. I just thought I had to point that out to you guys. So you're saying it was the airline's bad business policies that started the whole situation in the first place? Just about, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, that, I mean, she should not have been arrested over this. Yeah. But, you know, but... They should have the just airline. removed her. They should have just removed her from the situation. But, you know, they, again, uh, I, it's, obviously it's we're playing armchair quarterback here. And I think that with the uh, with the airline situation... These guys have to deal with so much government bureaucracy and so many yeah. hoops that they have to jump through in order to just do business, and that's got to that has to take a toll on customer service. I mean, if you're focusing a lot of your money and your your employees on uh, filling out paperwork and jumping through government hoops, it's going to yeah, do some sort of damage. They deliberately understaff the ticket counters and they're getting stuff, and as a result, right. the lines are insanely long. Thanks for the call, George. We appreciate it, uh, appreciate it as always. Let's get the government out of the world of the air travel business and then let real competition happen, and then let's see what customer service is like. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com, the place to go, the features for free. You like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then become a Free Talk Live amplifier. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com and pony up three bucks a month. You can do it with any major credit card through our secure credit card system. Also, PayPal and other options as well. The point is to advertise, market, and promote Free Talk Live. The point is to help us get on more radio stations across the country and thereby spread the, uh, spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. So if you value what we do here on Free Talk Live, you like the fact that we give you all, uh, give away all of the features on our website, eh, Pony up three bucks a month over at amp.freetalklive.com. You get some perks as well, including access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, and forum, and more. All the details, amp.freetalklive.com. Nick, tonight, I know that you would brought in a story about Turkey. And I don't know if you have that available, but if you do, would love to talk about it. What's going on over there? Well, it looks like Turkey's not very happy with us for a couple of reasons. Um, Nancy Pelosi, along with a lot of um, congressional Democrats, has been pushing that the U.S. House of Representatives pass um, a resolution, so it's non-binding, just saying that Turkey committed genocide against the Armenians in World War I. Um, but this, in World War One. In World War One. What's the... Going, <laughs> What is the point of bringing up what's nearly a hundred year old, um, you know, news and uh, condemning a, uh, you know, an ally of ours? Well, if you listen to the conservatives, um, it's just a backdoor way to try to increase pressure here at home. Sounds remarkably the like that. Iraq War, because most of our supplies that come through via air. Um, are coming through Turkey's airspace, and we have bases in Turkey. They provide logistical support for that. Um, so Turkey has said that they will pull um, our ability to overfly their country for our Iraq operations, um, and potentially if we were to have operations in Iran, um, they won't allow us to overfly them if this you gets know, passed. If we want to get out of um, Iraq, which I'm, I, 
I support completely. We don't need to go screwing with any of our allies to do it. That, that you know, it just it lacks backbone, and I don't see any reason to do that at all. You're totally right, and that really just describes what the Democrats, uh, all of their efforts to withdraw us from Iraq have been, just totally lacking any sort of backbone. They're not really interested in pulling out of Iraq. If they were, they'd be making some real serious moves. And instead, they're just toying around. And this is just this is this is political game playing. It is, um, but it's dangerous because another thing is happening with Turkey and Iraq right now. Um, Turkey has been there have been artillery and mortar shells landing in some villages in Kurdistan. That's the north of Iraq. So they're attacking uh, our protectorate at this point. Our uh, you know the the nation that we're occupying. Well, we call Iraq a sovereign nation, but it's essentially a protectorate. Our army's there. We basically police their country for them. Right. So it stands to reason that we should defend them from foreign invasion. Um, but there are Kurds in southern Turkey as well, for those who don't know. Um, and these two groups, uh, there might be some legitimacy in Turkey's claims that there are uh, rebels in Iraq and in Turkey who are working for a Kurdish state. Um, so that's what's pushing Turkey towards war with Iraq. Hmm. That's uh, really? basically... Well, Turkey, its its parliament sometime this week is going to be holding a vote um, on whether or not to take some kind of decisive military action, which could include an incursion into northern Iraq, into Kurdistan. And this is from the mainstream press. I mean, so the purpose of that would be to wipe out a certain group um, from northern Iraq, or to take the property, or I mean, because war is usually fought over land, right? It, it's fought over land. The concern on Turkey's part is that. The Kurds on the Iraq side of the border are providing aid and support to the Kurds on the Turkish side of the border, and that, in Turkey's eyes, is a threat to their territorial integrity. Yeah, I just don't understand why a country like Turkey, any country, period, why any country would be so all-fired excited about keeping uh, insurgents in their land. Look, the Kurds want to go away. Let them go away. Let them have their own country. Here, take take this little piece of land where all you people occupy. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is it that they want from these Kurds? Well, I mean, governments are essentially about control. So when you let pieces of your country break away, you know, generally you strong, yeah, gen- generally strong leaders will not allow pieces to leave because they want to control that territory. Right. That's what. You want to control and you want to extract wealth from the productive members of that area, and that's less area for you to extract wealth from uh, people. And in addition, of course, uh, Randolph Bourne said war is the health of the state, and so it 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 benefits um, rulers and despots to be in a state of perpetual warfare because it gives them the excuse uh, to run roughshod over what liberties they might have in Turkey or, or northern Iraq or whatever. Well, and this is important to us here at home. It's not just a threat to the Iraq military effort, which... I think a lot of people want to see ended anyway. The reason that we were talking about oil topping $88 a barrel today is because of Turkish tensions. Really? And if this actually, well, that's, I mean, yeah, the oil prices fluctuate based on threats to the supply chain, and this is one of them. Sure. And if some kind of real action is taken in northern Iraq, we could see even higher oil prices on the international exchanges, which means higher prices at the pump and less economic productivity for us here at home and... So theoretically, there would be uh, some sort of oil um, machinery there in the northern portion of Iraq to where the Turkish uh, government could take could seize control of that. Uh, I'm not sure what the uh, natural resources in the north of Iraq are. I, yeah. I think the concern generally, like I, I know oil prices spiked when Israel and Lebanon were facing off. Um, 
recently. That that wasn't. It's not so much that the actual oil wells themselves are threatened, just that there's instability in the region, and this could affect the ability of supply chains if the war spreads or if this well, causes some kind of turmoil where right. ship it, shipments can't be made. Right. I see how you're saying that it's affecting the price of the oil, but right. I was just saying that this could be an extra reason. You know, uh, Again, governments want to control. Not only do they want to control people and extract wealth from those who are productive, but also, I mean, people have made the point that the, the whole Iraq war was for oil in the first place, and so theoretically these other governments could have the same motivations. Oh, hey, you know, we'll, we'll get a refinery or two out of this deal if we win this war. So, Oh, that's quite, yeah, that's quite possible. Right. Not that governments know how to run oil refineries, but that won't stop them from wanting to take them and control sure, them. Sure, there's something valuable. Right. They'll want no. that. They'll hire some some flunky to go in there and run the refinery for them and uh, funnel off some cash. Yeah, but I mean, now we've got two governments that are really trying to exert influence over Iraq, and the longer we stay there, the, the more tense it's going to get with us being caught in the middle of Turkey well, and What about Iran? And Iraq. Supposedly they've got uh, spies and stuff in Iraq. Yeah, well, what about Iran? Yeah, and Iran has a lot of cultural and political influence in the government, too. I mean... Just because of religious and ethnic lines, they have a lot of control in Baghdad. The, the longer uh, the U.S. military stays over there, the more complex, the more difficult it becomes. The more uh, difficult the, the whole situation becomes to, A, understand, comprehend. I don't have uh, history in the Middle East. All I know is what I've learned from you, Mark, and, and talking to callers on this show and whatever few articles I've read over time. I'm certainly not a historical expert when it comes to this area of land. I don't purport to know who knows what or who likes who or who's allied with who. I don't know. It's none of my it's none of my business and it shouldn't be any of the US government's business either. And the longer we're there, the messier this is going to become and the more difficult and the more costly it's going to become uh, in order to get out. I understand Let's get the troops on the first thing smoking and get them back home as soon as possible. That would be wonderful if that would happen, but it seems like the Democrats and the Republicans aren't interested in that, even though that's what 70% of the American public would like to see happen. Yeah, I'm hoping that the only good thing I really see coming out of this Iraq conflict is that maybe some of the American people will open their eyes to the fact that the Democrats aren't always the solution to the Republicans. Right. They were elected to this Congress to end the war in Iraq, and they haven't done it. And that sends a message that maybe you have to look somewhere besides the Republicans and the Democrats, which I think could be good for liberty in America and breaking the political status quo that we have right now. Could be so. But it's at a terrible price. Right. Hopefully we will be seeing some good things within the next year as uh, the 2008 elections approach. And and we've all got our fingers crossed for Ron Paul. Julia and I, uh, my girlfriend, were talking about him today, and she was saying that she hopes he wins. And you know, we both sort of realized that, we don't need to get. We shouldn't get our hopes up for that, uh, because if you get your hopes up too high, they're going to be dashed on the rocks uh, in the event of failure, at, which is what happens with most libertarians. But then again, he's not really a libertarian. He's running as a Republican, so there actually is a chance he could win. Uh, I just really think that people who are Ron Paul supporters, the people that are the real Ron Paul zealots out there, the ones that are, and and it's great that they're out there and they're doing really great work. You guys, you know who you are. Please prepare yourself in advance for failure. Prepare yourself for how you're going to feel if Ron Paul comes in in you know, fifth place or something like that in mm. the primary. Prepare yourself for that now and resolve what you're going to do from that point on. Think about it now because if you don't do it now, if you don't think about that and roll it over in your head and, and you know, strategize your future in the liberty movement, you will be political burnout 
after the, the primary is over. If Ron Paul does not win the primary, you will feel the burn of political burnout if you're a newer activist. And there are a lot of new activists that have been brought in as a result of this Ron Paul movement. And I think that's great and it's exciting. But every new activist needs to understand what political burnout is and, and come to grips with it. Because I don't want to see people fall out of the liberty movement as a result of Ron Paul losing. Ron Paul is only the beginning of the revolution. It doesn't matter whether he succeeds or fails. What matters is whether you stay at it. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and we're launching to hour number three. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. It's the place to go. The feature's there for free. Once again, freetalklive.com. At the end of uh, the last hour, I was talking about how people that are really, really excited about the Ron Paul campaign, or even people that are just a little excited... But most importantly, those who are really excited, the ones that are the doers, the ones that are out there holding the signs, making... Did you see this, uh, the video of the huge signs by the road? Did you see that yeah, one? Yeah, out in... Uh, is it Nevada or... Somewhere some, out in the middle of nowhere. California. <laughs> but they have these gigantic Ron Paul Revolution signs that... And they had the video footage from it. It obviously looked like it took a day, if not more than that, to put these things up. Just So there's just a tremendous amount of effort being poured into the Ron Paul campaign. And it's paying off. I mean, he's his polling numbers are rising. He's up to 5% in the Gallup poll now. Mm-hmm. Uh, which raised as much money as McCain did last quarter. Uh, yeah, and he's got more money. And he's on got hand. a heck of a lot more money. He's got a, he's got as much money on hand as uh, pretty. He's he's in the top three. Definitely. So really, the Ron Paul campaign has been an unprecedented success story for the Liberty Movement. There's no doubt about that. And I think that he could do well, and he very might even possibly win. But I want people to understand to not get their to not get their hopes up to where they can be just completely shattered and uh, if he loses and you become just depressed depressed about the future of liberty in America and you just want to throw in the towel and go you know retreat back to the hole from whence you came because many of the people that are supporting Ron Paul are political newbies they're people that are have never been excited by uh, the process right. before the revolution is so exciting the Ron Paul revolution is so exciting um, people are seeing wow things are happening we're seeing progress forward we're going to win but you might not. They might not. You know, I mean, it, 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 of of all the Republican candidates out there, only one of them is going to be the nominee, and only one of the nominees is going to be president. Right. So, again, I just wanted to get that word of caution out there. And then after we went to break, you guys continued a conversation that I thought was important to have on the air. Because, Mark, you stated that this is it. This is the last chance for liberty, and if you guys want to keep... I think uh, this, is, this is the last chance for liberty in the United States. I just don't see what... I'm scared to death of what's going to happen if, uh, you know, Giuliani, which is largely more the same as far as Bush goes, uh, it's Bush without the, uh, the the Christian aspect to it, um, which isn't, as far as I'm concerned, the most dangerous part of George Bush. His intrusiveness against our civil liberties is what bothers me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, or Hillary Clinton, who's each one of the Democrats are basically saying, we're going to bring in socialized medicine. Won't it be great? Yeah, it, it's gonna it's gonna crash the economy at some point. 
Well, it might crash the economy at some point. The way I look at it is Ron Paul's campaign is more of a new beginning for the liberty movement in America. He's brought in so many more people than have been getting involved in the last decades. I mean, yeah, absolutely. He's brought so many people in. We can say this is the end of the line, but to be honest, the next couple administrations won't be – I don't think they're going to be that much worse than the last – the last couple. Now, what, 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 now, what do you base that on? I mean, the, this one, this current administration has built off of the things the last administration oh. did, and it's and they've had more and more excuses to increase the size of government dramatically and increase the. I mean, we've got everything set up for a, a military state here in America. A police, uh, we've already got the police state. We're right on the cusp of having uh, essentially martial law. All they need is an excuse now, in the event of another terrorist attack, to say that the next administration is going to go easy. Easier on us? I mean, or isn't going to utilize those uh, reins of power? Well, you know, that's a that's a possibility, but I I truly believe that they're going to run themselves into the ground before we get to that point. I think that economically and as far as their foreign policy goes, we're on an unsustainable course. I just think they're going to run out of steam to govern, like the Soviet Union did. They had a police mm. state. They got to that point, and then they bankrupted themselves, and they couldn't even keep countries from breaking off. And if it comes to secession, that'll be unfortunate. I find it ironic that I think there's still hope, and I would entertain the notion of secession. And Mark, you're saying you don't think there's any hope if Ron Paul doesn't win, but you still wouldn't entertain the notion of secession? Well, uh, secession, look, I don't like talking about secession. Secession is like the road. Well, stop there, right there, because I want to say I'm in between both of you on this. I agree with both of you. I think that uh, the Ron Paul campaign is indeed a new beginning for the liberty movement. It's an incredible turning point uh, for the liberty movement. But also, I agree with Mark in that I think that this is the last chance for the federal government to be turned around. Note, I say the federal government to be turned around, because the next chance is four years later, and there's all kinds kinds of things, as we've seen, that can happen in four years' time. Uh, so I think that somewhere in the middle that's, is how I feel, is that, well, if Ron Paul doesn't succeed in 2008, then what we really need to do is focus on the Free State Project. I think what we really should do, and whether it, that includes secession or not, that's another discussion, uh, but the Free State, Ron Paul's a viable um, opportunity for change, and the Free State Project is a viable opportunity for change. If Ron Paul doesn't work out, then that leaves us with the Free State Project, at least for the next four years, until, you know, maybe Ron Paul can run again. Uh, but what I really think is important is getting in touch with the Ron Paul activists and alerting them to the Free State Project and putting the, you know, put a little bit of a bug in their mind, if you will, something on the back burner for them to, to understand that if Ron Paul doesn't work out, please consider this. Don't go back to your life of going to work and coming home and, you know, relaxing on the couch and trying to forget about all the problems in the world. Come to the come to New Hampshire, join the Free State Project and get active here because while we can't maybe make a difference on the federal level, we've absolutely seen that real liberty-loving activists can make a difference here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. So I think that, you know, obviously I'd like to go in the direction of secession. I think that if things get really bad on a federal level, then that's the only choice is uh, is secession. But I think it's somewhere in between uh, where you two guys are talking about. Well, I, um, as far as seceding from the union, I I don't I think it scares people when you talk about stuff like that. I I think that New Hampshire will secede from the union when it's the right time for New Hampshire to secede from the union. And uh, I, well, I'm not saying that's the course I necessarily absolutely want to see it. I'm just saying. If the federal government's not going to get any better and is only going to get worse, I think it's preferable to pursue that option. Absolutely. Look at the look at the uh, people's uh, the opinion polls 
of people's opinions of Congress. Last time I saw it, it was 11%. So 11% of Americans approved of what Congress is doing. There's just an incredible uh, distaste. Which means that 89% don't. Right. There's an incredible distaste for what's going on in Washington, D.C. I mean, just based on that, I don't see what is so scary about the idea of secession. Who likes these people in D.C.? Nobody. I mean, statistically, nobody is interested in what these people in D.C. Are, are doing or want to do with your lives. They want Most people want D.C. out of their lives. It's just they don't know how to, to get that. And secession is the easy well, answer. And, and people don't think of secession as happening in, in Western democracies. But you have a very active movement in Canada, just a couple hundred miles to our north. Quebec. Which, yeah, which has nearly succeeded. You have in the United Kingdom, you have they've nearly broken into nation states now with Scotland, England, and Wales. They all fly their own national flags. And they've decentralized power far more than the states have, which a lot of Americans don't know. But my understanding hmm. is... There are strong national movements across a lot of Western democracies, and they're given a lot more clout in other countries than they are in the U.S., which I don't understand, because the United States has, is supposed to have a tradition of states' rights, and you know maybe up until this point, federalism has acted as a vent for that, which I, is what it was intended to do. It was, a lot, it was intended to allow the states to differ mm -hmm. and just be banded together loosely on a central item of defense right but they're I, absolutely not banded together loosely they're uh, you know each if if a state gets out of line the federal government comes in and whacks the crap out of it and i think that's where a lot of people are frightened of the idea of secession i think that the people even though they weren't alive at this time they know what the civil war was in essence about and they're frightened to death that the same thing could happen again i personally don't believe that that is even a possibility i don't either in today's civil, world the, the civil war uh, it, it wouldn't have happened if we had cameras um where you could see <laughs> Americans killing Americans because Americans you know we might have the stomach for killing brown people over the oceans we do not have the stomach for fighting each other we barely have the stomach to fight over overseas when you find out Americans get killed and how long it can take and how much money it costs can you imagine what it would be like if uh, they, they rolled the military out to kill Americans It'd be nuts I mean, the Civil War was it was completely different, and at that time, people from the two halves of the country didn't interact, and they didn't like each other. They honestly, yeah. there was some tension between them. Now there's business interactions and family people interactions move. and friends everywhere. I'm from the be, South. There, there are no I real... I live in New Hampshire. I mean, there are borders, but there aren't any real borders as far as people crossing them and doing business and that sort of thing. We're all inextricably, or inexplicably... There I go again. We're all tied together inextricably. Anyway, 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Speaking of the UK, one guy over there says it's time to legalize drugs. This is Free Talk Live, and it is your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. 800-259-9231. Sakel CAI toll-free line in here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free. We've got a shrine of female listeners there with dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photos to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. Every now and then, there's a nice story that comes out like this one. From the Independent over in the United Kingdom, one of Britain's most senior police officers is to call for all drugs, including heroin and cocaine, to be legalized. 
and urges the government to to uh, declare an end to the failed war on illegal narcotics. And I think it is always something that deserves a round of applause when a government bureaucrat, somebody who's in the police department, has the courage to step outside of the system and say, whoa, let's take a look at what's going on here. This is madness. I mean, it really is. Now, I don't know if they have a law enforcement against prohibition over there in the U.K., but maybe this guy should consider starting a U.K. arm of that particular organization. In case you've never heard of them, they exist here in America. They're a wonderful group. Leap.cc is their website, leap.cc, law enforcement against prohibition. There are people like this guy, Richard Bernstrom, the chief constable of North Wales, advocates an end to U.K. drug policy based on prohibition. His comments come as the Home Office this week ends the process of gathering expert advice looking at the next 10 years of strategy. In his radical analysis, which he'll present, uh, apparently uh, a couple days ago he presented it, Mr. Brunstrom points out that illegal drugs are now cheaper and more plentiful than ever before. This is going to mirror what's happening here in America, because it's the same thing anywhere. When prohibition happens, the results are the same. It doesn't matter if it's in the U.K. or the United States or Turkey. In his radical analysis, uh, the number of users has soared, while drug-related crime is rising with narcotics. Or drug, yeah, drug-related crime is rising with narcotics, now supporting a worldwide business empire, second only in value to oil. He says, if policy on drugs is in future to be pragmatic and not moralistic, driven by ethics, not dogma, then the current prohibitionist stance will have to be swept away as both unworkable and immoral to be replaced with an evidence-based unified system aimed at minimization of harms to society, he said. Uh, The demand won't find favor in Downing Street. I bet it won't. uh, In his conference speech this year, Gordon Brown signaled an intensification of the existing battle. He said, we will send out a clear message that drugs are never going to be decriminalized. The Tories also rejected the proposals. Uh, One of their home secretaries said a more effective move would be the creation of a U.K. border police. Yeah, there you go. Crack down. That'll work because it always works. Well, it works to stuff money in the pockets, pockets of, of politicians police, yeah. and, uh, and bureaucrats. The UK only borders Ireland. I mean, you have to watch your coast. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So they uh, they think that's going to stop drugs from getting into the country as well as expanding rehab centers. He said we'll put police on the streets to catch and deter drug dealers, and we would ensure sufficient prison capacity so they could actually be punished. That's exactly what they've been trying to do here in America. Let's do more of the same. That'll right. work. Right. More prisons. Let's lock more of our friends and family members up because that really stops them from using drugs. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, Mark. How hard was it to get drugs in prison? Oh, well, I mean, it, it's all you would had to have is some money. And you so was that bread. hard, huh? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, they sold drugs in prison. Wow. Mr. Brunstrom, who's championing of speed cameras, have made him a hate figure among some motoring groups, so this guy isn't a exactly liberty-oriented dude. Right, he's, he's just, not soft on crime. He's just good on the drugs issue. Well, he, uh, he probably understands that it's going to work. He apparently has also found a suggestion that the war on drugs was unwinnable, dismissed as a council of despair by the Association of Chief Police Officers. These are the, It's always the chiefs of police. It is any, in any effort well, to legalize if drugs. If you legalize drugs, then you'll have far, far, far less crime. You'll have right. uh, you'll cut crime by 75%. I'm not exaggerating. Overnight. Really? 
Take it, from a, take it from a guy who's been in prison. I'm telling you that most of the people that are in prison are either in prison for doing drugs or they're in prison for possessing drugs or they're in prison for doing something to get those drugs. Right. If Robbery you took away something. the you know the, the the illegality of drugs, the price would come way down. If the price came way down, you'd see as many robberies as you currently do for alcohol or cigarettes, which aren't very damn many. And at that point, then you've got uh, you have less crime. You have less need for police. When you have less need for police, then the police chiefs have fewer people to push around. Well. That they do not want. They do mm. not want that more than anything. They'll sacrifice you and your family and your fortunes on the altar of them having more bureaucrats to push around. Now, what are we talking about here with legalization in the UK? Is he pushing for a full-blown... That's what he said, su- everything. ...whole supply chain from top to bottom or small amounts in possession? Because that's where it falls apart. They say yeah. small amounts for personal possession... But you have to get it from somewhere, and if the whole supply right, chain doesn't is make legal, any sense, it doesn't cut to the root of the problem. There and may that, be more information here as uh, as we go on, but he is calling for all drugs, and that's an that's an important factor. And yes. I'll just do marijuana. You've got to do it all across the board. Take these products out of the hands of the black market people. Take them out of the hands of the gangsters and the criminals, and put them back in the hands of people in the marketplace, business owners, legitimate people. Uh, anyway, he says. Uh, According to the chiefs of police, rather, these are the chiefs of police, moving to total legalization would, in our view, greatly exacerbate the harm to people in this country, not reduce it. You know, you really have to wonder what their motivation is. Is it just because they want to push around bureaucrats, Mark? Is it just be? Is that what it it's is? It's about power. I mean, what else is a politician about? Why do they get into their role in the first place? It's about power. I just think it's so sad, and people really need to to, uh, to jump on these chiefs of police for this and point out that if they are purporting to care, to give a damn about protecting and serving the people that they're supposedly doing that to. Well, and let's not forget um, how many police officers each year get hurt and die as a result of this. Of fire, how yeah. many families are ruined as a result of this? Well, and, and let's not forget that I'm sure there are some chiefs of police who genuinely believe... They misguidedly, but they genuinely believe that that repealing the drug laws would cause greater harm than good. Oh, I I think that they probably do. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I I think they absolutely do. But people will believe anything that benefits them. Let's go to the phones, to the fun. Talk to Jim listening in Ann Arbor. Jim, you're on Free Talk Live and listening on WAAM. Hello. Well, you've got people right now that are trying to get um, drugs that they need for their health. And uh, if they if they uh, legalize the um, drugs that the illegal drugs that are being taken, how are they supposed to afford it? How is who supposed to afford what? I'm sorry. The drug the drug addict. I mean, how is he going to buy these legalized drugs? Well, when you, do you do oh. understand, sir, that the the fact that the drugs are illegal is what is making them hard to afford? Well, uh, you just you just said that they're cheaper now than they've ever been on the market. Well, they that's they are they, they, they're a little bit cheaper, but that does that's not saying much. I mean, uh, heroin is uh, a lot of money per gram, as is cocaine, as is marijuana. All of these costs would drop. In fact, I'd like to discuss it more with you. If you'd hang on, we will bring you back. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. When you take a product out of the legitimate marketplace and you make it illegal, it goes into the world of the black market. 
Now, in the world of the black market, criminals deal with the product. Now, criminals not going to go into business unless there's some serious money in it for them. And that's why the prices of illegal drugs are so high. More on the way. We'll talk about this and take your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and my name's Ian. And mine's Nick. And mine's Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features are for free. The bulletin board system is there with... Over a quarter of a million posts. That's a lot of stuff to talk about. You'll find serious stuff and fun stuff all there for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That is bbs.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. We're talking drugs. A uh, top cop over in the United Kingdom has come out and is honestly speaking his mind against prohibition. He says it's time to legalize all drugs, and I agree 100%. We'd love to hear what you think as we go back to Jim, listening in Ann Arbor on WAAM. Now, Jim, you are concerned, and, and I understand your concerns. You're concerned about, well, how are the drug addicts going to be able to afford to purchase their drugs in the event of drug legalization? Is that correct? Yeah. Well, Mark, um, you made a point during the break, and I thought it was great. You know, how do alcoholics afford their alcohol, right? I mean, they, they, they buy it because it's affordable. Yeah, they, they beg or they go to work or whatever they do. They, they, yeah, they, they buy a cheap bottle of wine, yeah. Right. Okay. Now, have, cool. you ever, have you ever done any drugs besides alcohol? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, let me just give you just a quick rundown, quick price comparison, and ex- a real-life example here. Uh, if you go and you purchase a pound of marijuana on the black market... It may run you as little as $800 for the cheapest, dirtiest, cheapest regs, all the way up to $5,000 for some of the nicer uh, grade quality. So you're looking at several hundred dollars. Let's just say 1500 bucks for, uh, for a pound of mid-grade marijuana. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go into your local Walmart or Kmart or tobacco shop or whatever, go and ask the price of a bag full of tobacco, just unrolled tobacco, the stuff where you're supposed to roll your own Four cigarettes. Bucks. You're looking mm-hmm. at maybe 12 bucks, you know, for a pound of unrolled tobacco. Now, the mm-hmm. reason why there's a price disparity there is because the black market has this supply chain where everyone who's involved is a criminal by virtue of the fact that they're doing business selling marijuana. So because they're breaking the law and they're subject to severe penalties, as much as 10 or 15 years in prison just for getting caught selling this marijuana, they have to make it worth their while. So because they're taking such a tremendous risk, they have to mark the product up to a point where it's worth it for them to take that risk. So every pair of hands that a pound of marijuana passes through, somebody's tacking on 50 or or $100 per pound. And, of course, the people at the upper levels are you know, moving hundreds of pounds at a time, so they're making quite a bit of money off of this. But it has to be worthwhile. So one person passes it off to the next person who passes it off to the next person. It might go through 20 hands before it actually finally makes it down to the street level where the, the end user purchases it. And so that's why drugs in their current status 
illegal drugs are so damned expensive. It's because they're prohibited. It's because criminals are the businessmen here. If we take them out of their illegal status and allow people to do business with these products uh, simply because they want to, allow them to sell them in, in stores or by, by mail or however way they want to sell them, then competition, real uh, market-based competition comes into play and prices go down instead of up. And so do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I do. Um, Does it make sense? Not really, because all these people that are, are going marijuana out in the woods and fields, and some states, I guess, it's one of their number one crops is illegal marijuana. Uh, what are these people going to do? They just going to stop growing that stuff because they can uh, buy it cheaper at Walmart, or are they going to lower their price so they can buy it cheaper? From them, first off, first off, you're talking about the people that are growing marijuana out in a field. These aren't people that are smoking the marijuana for their personal health. I mean, they're they're not the medical marijuana users growing a field full of marijuana. You're talking about the black marketeers. You're talking Mm -hmm. about the gangsters that are out there growing marijuana in a field. They're going to be out of jobs, and uh, unless they want to go legit, which they could. I mean, they could go legitimate and sell the marijuana. It's just they won't be making as much money off of it anymore. And I should point out the reason why these uh, marijuana is the number one crop, that's by dollar, not by amount necessarily. So it's not like they're moving the same amount of poundage of marijuana as they are by uh, as they are corn apples. or apples. It's that the marijuana is so much more valuable, be- more so than the, than the price of gold almost, almost, not quite. But uh, marijuana is so much more valuable that that's the reason why you're seeing those numbers. They're artificially inflated because of prohibition. So the people that are growing the fields of marijuana, some of them might go legit, some of them might go out of business, because, again, they're criminals. They, criminals operate in the black market, so they'll go off and run some guns or you know, run some other product that's prohibited. Does that make sense? Well, I think in the end it'll be the taxpayer who has to kick out the money for the cheap drugs. For the, Why? Do, you pay, uh, do taxpayers pay for alcohol? Well, we've got some alcoholics that come here to Ann Arbor to get free room and board, and uh, well, that's a welfare problem. They, they, then you need to take and a that free issue. Food card, and and actually, you know, it's the taxpayer who's it's their money that pays for all of it. Well, if you're talking now, you're talking about welfare, and that's a whole other ball of wax. And Free Talk Live, we absolutely are opposed to government redistribution of wealth. So welfare programs need to go away, and those need to be taken over by private charities, so that won't become an issue anymore. But and by the way, I'd like to make the point that currently yeah. with drug addicts. We're taking care of them, but we're taking care of them to the tune of fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year in prisons, and they don't work at all, and they don't, uh, you know, they don't pay any taxes in at all currently in prison. Right, and I also might mention, do you do you have a family, Jim? Well, I was I was going to ask you about that too. Uh, um, how does this help society if 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 every time something is uh, becomes a problem because it's illegal, you make it legal? I mean, how does that really help? Well, I can tell you, uh, Jim, um, Mm. just to make it clear, uh, drugs aren't really, um, you know... We, we, would, we wouldn't be making them legal. We would be re-legalizing them. Since right. the 1920s, drugs were all drugs were all legal up until the 1920s. Right. I mean, do you think that America was the uh, you know was was the very bottom of the barrel um, worldwide in the 1920s? No. And before? The, I don't. The drug addicts back then were bored housewives. I mean, that's that's about well, that, it. That's a, a, a generalization. Ten, a ten-year-old boy could go to a drugstore and buy a bottle full of heroin, and no one would have batted an eye at it. There wasn't a drug problem back then. So, yes, it would be re-la- uh, re-legalizing well, there was, the drugs. There was quite a drug problem after the Civil War. 
and as a matter of fact, it was it was widespread after the Civil War. And somehow a, we didn't we didn't uh, you know spiral down the drain of despotism. Well, somehow or is, another, America made it. The fact the fact is, there are a lot of Americans that have drug problems today with legal drugs like alcohol, and nobody's calling for the uh, you know prohibition of alcohol again. Well, I guess there are some people that are calling for it, but most people with a head on their shoulders aren't calling for it. And I'll give you some social benefits since you asked for them. Do you have a family? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you you can still go down to some counties. Uh, on the, we stop at one on the way to Tennessee, and and uh, it's a dry county. And I always ask when we stay there. I say, uh, "Where can a guy buy a beer around here?" And she always <laughs> says, thirty miles that way." Yep. Yeah, which means that those road, counties okay. have higher incidences of uh, drunk driving because right. people have to drive, you know, that distance to. to I, don't, get some... I don't think they do down there have higher incidences. Well, you're wrong. The statistics show that, I mean, it may not, maybe not that county, but most dry counties do have higher incidence of DWIs um, because it, it forces the drunks to go and buy their alcohol in, an, in the next county over. Anyway, let me give you some quick benefits here because um, you're a family man. The fact is your family, your wife or kids are at risk every single day. Uh, by, there could be a drug addict that needs to get money to buy his next hit of crack cocaine. Right, he could come into your house tonight and slit all your throats in your sleep to, in order to get you know the money he wants to get his crack cocaine. Or he could well, hold you. I, or he could I hold you up at gunpoint. Going on, I witnessed that going on uh, uh, the other day. I just right. stepped out in front of a of a, a grocery store and. Um, Are you sure he wasn't robbed? Somebody wasn't robbing right for there. alcohol or cigarettes. Huh? Are you sure that guy wasn't robbing them for alcohol or cigarettes? Oh, I think he was uh, selling cocaine. Me right. too. Exactly. Because nobody robs anybody for alcohol or cigarettes because they're cheap enough that people can buy them on their own. Precisely. I mean, we'll, this guy we'll, was buying them. Yeah, we'll let you turn that one over in your head, Jim, and thank you for the call. We thank appreciate you, the conversation. 800-259-9231. The fact is, your friends, your family, your car, your possessions, your stuff and your friends are at risk because drugs are illegal. Because there are seething crack addicts and meth addicts out there that need their next hit, they've got to get that money from somewhere. They're either going to go out and turn tricks, or they're going to break into your car, uh, take your stereo, break into your home, and take your stuff. That will all end. Almost all of it will go away if we just re-legalize drugs. This is Free Talk Live. moments remaining. Just enough time for your call if you make it now at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Inviting you to our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features are for free. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go and shop with us at the Free Talk Live store. Head over to store.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live merchandise. Great stuff. Good quality merchandise. We did not skimp out. We did not cheap out uh, on the quality level of the product. So uh, go to store.freetalklive.com and browse through our selection of hats and T-shirts and hoodies and more. All there. Store.freetalklive.com. Let's continue with the phone calls and talk to Dave in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hello, Dave. Howdy. Long live the Free Talk. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dave, before you get into your point, I know that there's a listener that it, it wants to talk to you. I don't know if you get on the BBS. I don't know if you even have Internet access. Do you access. have an email address? No, I don't. Oh, mm. well. Never mind. Well, I give my phone number to the, the the screener so he could get in touch with the screener. I'll get it then, from the screener. Okay. Very and good. We'll and make sure that he they use a phone that doesn't say, like, unknown or blocked. 
or anything. Yeah, I don't, I don't like those numbers. Too. I won't answer those calls. Gotcha. Yeah, me neither. All right, Dave, what's on your mind tonight? <laughs> hey, uh, the harder the law presses on the drugs, the higher the price goes and the deeper the corruption goes. Whoever is screaming the most against the drugs, they want more money. That's all they do because, mm-hmm. like I said, when the law gets hot, the price goes up and the corruption goes deeper. We got to exfoliate Congress, get rid of the dead skin. And then uh if one of the states lose leaves the union, they're going to they're going to say that they're a bunch of drug crazed gun-toting child molesters and they'll send in the warthogs and the Apaches and the M1s and we'll watch it on TV just like Waco. You really think so? You really think the federal like government Waco. will roll that's, in that's, tanks? Look what they did to them people in Waco. They bad-mouthed them. Said yeah, but was Waco, Waco was, was terrible and they got a lot of bad press. Look what they did with the Browns. And in Elaine well, Brown. Well, the Browns left themselves wide open but, for but that. But wait a they, minute, they Dave. They were just asking to get busted nights. Dave, sure. Dave, it's easy to roll roughshod over an old couple sitting in their house in Plainfield, New Hampshire, a couple in their 60s. Rough and it's, it's relatively easy to uh, to abuse the freedoms of a group of uh, religious Chris, people. You'd have to get a squadron of warthogs, man. You know, an A-10 with an N-60 Gatlin gun on the, on the front of it. That'll wipe some people out. They're going to spray down the entire state of New Hampshire? Is that what you're saying? I mean, come on. Well, look what they did Look what they did in Antietam. You know, they, they, you, that's what they'll do. Antietam. Not under my watch. Will the state leave the Union and I'll send 650,000 lives at, to, to stop it, you know? It, they go crazy at, at that point. Where is Antietam? That was, uh, there was a line in the Gladiator, the movie, the one general says to Maximus, he says, when are these people going to realize they're conquered? You, we, we can't. The only thing we could do is stop buying their gas, but nobody will do that because oh. the gas money is the big bank money, the insurance money, the... the Everything that controls us is is the blood of the the earth. The gas. I don't know. I, I understand that you've got a natural reticence against uh, the oil companies, but those guys well, get screwed well, they, as much. They're the ones that could change the whole scene of the whole world. Well, what are we doing over there right now? Why are we still burning the, the damn oil? They could they could use it to make other technology that will benefit mankind instead of trying to put us on a meter and trying to bleed us to death. That's what they're doing, but they don't want to do that. They, well, they I don't think that the I don't think to. you can accuse the oil companies of trying to bleed us to death. They're just offering well, a product it's the in the marketplace. Well, machine that turns oil into gold. What, we got to tear down the machine, man. If you don't like what's going on, it's, it's the, the government, Dave. Going. You, you uh, got to put the blame where it belongs. The government's the one bleeding you us, to death. They're, us, we're to blame. We're to blame because we buy the crap every day because we like driving around in our cars. Our cars is the chain to slavery. We will do anything for our cars. I don't know the, if I the agree. The people that were riding horses, when they first seen that thing, they called it the devil's wagon. Dave, the people that ride bicycles around here in I drive the car and I buy gas every day to myself. I'm right along with you. But, but there are people I, in, in my town, it. Dave, there are people in my town that ride bicycles only. They don't have cars. But they right, aren't any more free than... Too. But wait, Dave, they like aren't any before. more free than we are. 
are. They still have to live by the same stupid government laws, and the government still takes a percentage of their paycheck. I think you're really well, mis- I think you're misplacing your blame. That's why we have to Congress, man. These guys are old, man. They've been in there for like 40 years. Get rid of these guys. Make a law. Six years, and then you out. You, you do your six years, and you're six out. Months. We get rid of the, all the pensions. There's like, what, 32 billion bucks. I'm with you 100% on that, Dave. Get rid of these old guys. Thank they're you for the call, these Dave. These old guys were around before electric was around, man. They think they're <laughs> living in the past. Thank so you, Dave. Agree with that part. No doubt about it. You know, uh, the the term limits, it, it sounds like an easy answer, and I would agree with you that the longer a politician uh, is in Washington, D.C., likely the more corrupt he is. But I do have a real problem with term limits because – why are you smiling at me like that? I'm just that, thinking about exfoliating Congress. All right. Um, the, the Give problem, a little powder, a little rub down, you know. The problem with uh, term limits is that – Look at what look how Bush has been able to do essentially whatever he's wanted to do in this last four years mm-hmm. simply because he doesn't have to run again. And what's going to happen when there isn't the uh, the level of media on a member of Congress, a senator? I mean, they just don't. You're right, Mark. I mean, the name, problem is government name itself. some senators for me. Name five U.S. senators. Go ahead, start right now. Nobody can. Foghorn, leghorn. I mean, people can't name them because they don't know. And that's the senators. There's only a hundred of them. Think about the House of Representatives. There's 435 of those guys. These guys would have, um, there there would be no oversight, and they wouldn't have any incentive to get elected the next time. You know, you're right, Mark. The problem is government. I I mean, there's no way that we can configure government to actually work that well. So we should just get rid of the entire thing. Let's continue and talk to Jeremy in Montana. Jeremy, you're on Free Talk Live listening on KGEZ. Hello. Hey guys, a double dose of cow spell tonight. Oh, yeah. Excellent. All right, what's on your mind? Are uh, you here to exfoliate? What's that now? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, I was wondering uh, well, if, they, if they did actually have a war on drugs, you know, and all this stuff, and which they do, and it's a war on us at the same time, so they, mali- they manipulate each other. And play us all against each other, you know, and they use the cops just like they do the drug users, and they import everything, you know. Well, not everything. I mean, because if you start trying your own operation, then the sheriff will come arrest you, but as long as you're down with the... Yeah, if the sheriff's the drug dealer in your area and you start trying to do business without his permission, you're definitely going to get into some trouble. No doubt about it, Jeremy. We're short on time, but thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. And he touched on something that's really important about government, how it turns people against one another. It really... We talk trash a lot about the government and how inefficient and just generally awful they are at most everything they do. But one thing they are very good at is dividing people and creating groups. Turn one group against another. Right. Warring factions. Whether it's the liberals and the conservatives, the blacks and the whites. The homosexuals and the Christians. The AARP against against those of us who work. You know, everything. Let's continue with the phone calls. And, and that needs to stop. And if we reduce the size of government dramatically, then that um, factor will also reduce dramatically, and we can all get along uh, finally for the first time. Uh, let's go to the amplifier line, unscreened. Who's this? You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, it's Dale. Dale, calling from New Hampshire. What's on your mind? Yeah, um, I haven't heard from Mark yet if he likes my artwork. I have, post on Mark, the board. Have you seen this artwork? I haven't seen this, now. Is this uh, the Chippendale one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear God. Oh, it's hot, Mark. Talk about I exfoliation. It, I linked it in the chat in the chat channel. Just now. <laughs> What's the chat channel? What is it? It's uh, is it under the uh, the the general forum? Uh, yeah. Uh, is it is it uh, its own post or is it a reply to someone else's post? 
It's it's part of the uh, the uh, march for Ron Paul, march supporting Ron Paul. Oh yeah, yeah. What's that up to right now? We got a report last night that it was around seven hundred and fifty dollars. See where it's up to. Um, I know it was over five hundred. No, it was over seven fifty as of last night, according to oh, okay. uh, Brad, who called in. So okay, I think there's two different threads, so I'm a little, uh, it's hard to keep track. You know, while we've got you on the line, you're uh, you're a gay man, Dale, so I'm sure that you're a little more in tune with style than the average person. No, uh, where no sh- I'm not. <laughs> but okay. go ahead and ask. Well, where should, I mean, if Mark, presume, let's presume we get to the thousand bucks, because I think it's going to happen. Okay. Uh, we get to the thousand bucks, Mark's going to take his shirt off, and he will be photographed, um, and that those photos are going to go online, and then the money's going to go to Ron Paul. The question is, where should Mark be photographed? Oh, well, I think people definitely expect, like, five minutes on the webcam. Oh, dear wow. God. I, I, wow. Beyond that is probably icing. I don't know. I the, I the, the webcam the is not the way you want to see a topless mark. I mean, it's like 160 pixels by 100. Yeah. It's so <laughs> small. Awful. Yeah. We yeah. need to take some... And post them on the board as well. <laughs> he just saw your, uh, your artwork. Say again, Mark. What did you say? <laughs> oh, my God. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I maybe I'm thinking about shooting outside. Maybe shooting uh, some outs, outside artsy photos with him with his shirt yeah. off. I, I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, no, in the cold weather, whether you're crazy. Yeah. In the cold weather, yeah, that's even better. Hey, Dale, thanks for the call, man. We appreciate sure. it. It's been Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. I don't know. Do people want to see you shirtless in the studio? We could do indoor shots, but I don't know. Sunlight looks nice, reflecting on your glistening skin. Anyway, we'll like see you tomorrow like night. It's free talk live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 